A steal by Tippett. The game on his stick. He scores! OT in OT. Tippett wins it for Philadelphia. This is episode 106 of the Liberty L. Danny Deemer here with Chris Stumbo. As always, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. I mean, there's really nothing to complain about on the hockey side of things. They haven't lost the game since the All-Star break. I'm not going to lie. Going into the All-Star break, I don't know about you. I was a little concerned. Like, is this thing crumbling down? Is, is yeah. the Lynn sanity run, if you will, coming <laughs> to a close? But and having to sit on that losing streak for two weeks really just kind of made it worse, I feel like, because you're, you're, you're just sitting on a losing streak for two weeks with no chance to see your team get it back. But seeing the response that we've seen has killed all of that for me. And I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on the last four straight wins. The last four wins, I mean, not just from a winning perspective. I mean, they've been outplaying these teams. I mean, for most of the the game. And it's been really fun to watch. We'll talk about Morgan Frost in a little bit. But I want to talk about the, the games right before. And I'll get into the, the four games we just won. Those games were weird because, like, yeah, we were playing Colorado, Tampa, Boston. We lost, lost 6-2 to them. I mean, we got shut out by Detroit 3-0. But I mean, a lot of those games before the Detroit and Boston games, I feel like we were in them. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like we got steamrolled the entire time. So, like, I had a little bit of hope. I had a little bit of feeling of, okay, maybe they're just starting to come back down to earth to what we thought they were going to be kind of thing. Um. But like you said, the response since then has been, I mean, incredible. And they haven't been against bad teams either. I mean, Florida, 2-1 win there. Winnipeg, one of the best teams in the league. Seattle, I mean, I know they aren't as good as they uh, record-wise as they were last year. I mean, But they're still a pretty solid team. And then, like, Arizona, same thing with them. They play hard, man. Like, there's a reason why Arizona upsets, like, Toronto every once in a while. I mean, they're they're pretty – annoying and they have some really skilled players i don't know his name uh i might butcher it like Massolini or something like that 63 he's really 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 skilled underrated player obviously they have clayton keller and then uh who am i thinking of right now logan cooley so like sneaky skill on that team so seeing them do what they did the last four games winning the way they have outplaying frosty like i just said it's just been like you said kind of uh Re, re, uh, re-energizing, if you will. And I, I'm sure the All-Star break was kind of like a nice reset because it came in a really good time. I was just going to mention like, that. I yeah. wonder if they were a bit gassed because they did have a lot of games in a short amount of time leading into that they stretch. And, yeah. and then they play the league's best, like literally the league's best. So whatever. It's just I think it's just the highs and lows of an NHL season. Uh, I think – the beauty of what they've been able to do in the early seasons, like such as not losing in regulation that much, allows you to have a little bit of a lull in February and recover from it like like they have. I want to speak on the Florida win because yeah. that one is the most impressive one to me. 2-1 win out of, out of the All-Star break. They lose that game. It could be entirely different. They lose that game. The Penguins win. The Devils win suddenly because uh, they had games in hand on us. Suddenly they're catching up to us. We're on a what, – what would it be at that point? Five, six-game losing streak Yeah. after the All-Star break. But that was a gutsy win, 2-1 win. They threw it all on the line there. They were down one nothing. Uh, I think, late in the second. Ended up pulling yeah. that one out. And from there, I mean, dude, the team went on a Cancun trip. 
Yeah, and, that was uh, cool. they're locked in. <laughs> they're locked in ever since. I love seeing it though. What's it called? Especially considering Verhage went up on the power play one nothing in the first period, and I did miss like seventy five percent of that game. But from what I've heard, they got out the Flyers. I'm talking about got outplayed by Florida the entire first twenty minutes. So con- considering how slow they came out and the fact that they're only down one, must have been kind of. A good, I mean, they were probably looking at a like glass half full kind of way because I mean, if you were getting outplayed that bad in the first 20 minutes, you're only down one against a team like Florida that's just relentless against the four check, constantly disrupting uh, an attempted breakout. So that must have been nice coming to the second period. TK tied it up with his 23rd, and then that Noah Case goal in the third period was fucking incredible, dude. Like, maybe should have passed it, obviously, if it doesn't go your way if you look at it in hindsight, but I mean, just to get it to where he got it and that skill kind of play, you're kind of just like, where did that just come from? So it's nice to see him kind of contribute. Cause he's been good. Like you said, since he's come back from, from breaking his foot, which is crazy. I kind of forgot that he was out for what? Almost a month and a half. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Was, uh... He's been, he's been trending well and he's definitely been shutting me up at, cause I was a bit of a hater leading in the all-star break with him. But yeah, he's played he's played well. I mean I'm seeing him, especially in the Ozone. I'm I'm seeing him make plays. I'm like, oh shit. All right. Yeah. Something we uh didn't talk about since our last episode. I mean Owen Tippett, the extension. So I mean we can get into that for a little bit because he's just getting back from an injury too. So he's just starting to get back into the the groove of things, if you will. I mean and you can really notice when he's missing in the lineup, you know when they, oh, yeah. he's not there dude i was like holy shit he he really does open things up a lot with his speed because like he can go from zero to 100 in like three seconds like the way he can drive lanes with his power and then, i mean we saw that spin around a goal i mean that was just fucking incredible it was just that was, those are the type of things that he does and i feel like even i i'm not talking to just anybody i'm talking to myself too at this point kind of take for granted with him he really does mean a lot to this team and the way he plays and drives play at times is just when he's on his game and I know it can be a little inconsistent and he's going to be working at that. But when he's on his game, he's legitimately one of the best players on the team. I mean, we'll talk about frost in a little bit. I can't wait to talk about him, but I, I really like that deal. I I think it's a, I mean, he eight years and then six point watt two, I think it is. So, I mean, you're getting him at a decent price considering the cap's going up soon. And I know that's what a lot of people say with all these contracts now. But, I mean, you would think if that was factored into this deal, he would have been looking at a little bit more. But, I mean, only 6.2 considering it's going up soon for a guy who could potentially be a 30-goal scorer. So, I mean, I I like those odds, right? Absolutely. I mean, I agree with what you said. You really notice some when he's out of the lineup and I, I didn't actually, I really didn't fully understand his impact on the squad until I watched games with him out of the lineup. And I was like, Oh shit. Like he really does have momentum changing. Yeah. Shifting goals. It like just in the heat of a game in transition roofs one. I mean, he's tied the game late in a couple of games this season. And considering the player he was just a year or two ago and the strides he's made and the fact that he's, He's done it here. Like Florida wrote him off. We believed in him. 
Torts believed in him. What kind of player are you? Remember, remember that quote? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just nice to see him get rewarded. I think it's a good message to the rest of the team too. If you buy in, you commit, you'll be here. Yeah. I mean, the kid's on what? On on pace for 30 goals this year. So he keeps it going. I know he missed a little bit with that injury. 30 goals in a 78 games season. I mean, that's a pretty good, pretty good uh season, if you ask me, considering the kids are only 24 years old. So I like those odds, man. He just scores these goals sometimes where you're like, holy shit. I know. Like, dude. Is that Owen Tippett? Like <laughs> or Evgeny Malkin? He needs to hit the net more. I mean, Tortorella has talked about that in his post-game and pre-game interviews, but he really can, if he can put it all together, be a really dominant fucking player on a line, man. Like the way he can skate and shoot and power, just it's just the combination of all of his skills is—it's extremely intriguing. Like he's still raw in some aspects, and I think everybody can agree with that. And I, uh, there's obviously risk that com- that comes with this contract, but at the same time, it's hard not to see the potential with him. And we've already seen the the small growth in the what two years that we've had him. So, like I said, I like the risk. I'm going to enjoy the tippet wave. He's going to be here for a while. So. $6.2 million for a guy who's only 24, 24 years old and could potentially take that jump and be more than a 50-point guy, maybe a 60, 70-point guy. That, I mean, that would be really nice, man. They locked him up. So I'm here, Danny. I'm here. Flyers he fucking 4 0 no. Let's go. He went from a first-round draft bust. Yeah, Larder wrote him off. He's, he's in the Giroux trade. He's a reclamation project in the Giroux trade. And now, look, he's – He's reclaimed. <laughs> he's he's here, and it's nice to see. I mean, he went from a first round bust to a potential thirty goal a year guy. Yeah, I don't know where I saw it from, but somebody, I'll try to look it up as I'm talking about it. Somebody was saying that if the fly, if Drew would have forced his way to Colorado, and I just want to get your like initial reaction on this because I don't know if you saw it. If Giroud forces right to Colorado, except Florida, the package for him for Colorado would have been Justin Barron and a first round pick instead of yeah Freeman NHL watcher on Twitter Freeman on thirty two podcast says if Claude Giroud went to Colorado instead of Florida it would have been for Justin Barron and a first rounder. And everybody's in the comments like holy fuck. Thank, thank God he forced his way to Florida because we would have definitely rather have Tippett over Justin Barron. And like in hindsight, looking back on it, as of right now, a hundred percent, you know. Oh, absolutely. Because in the moment, we were a little misled. We were we were told it was New Hook, right? In the moment, yeah. That that's like I the name we were throwing. I don't yeah. know if it's like officially rumored, but that was like the Flyers Twitter land writer yeah. land like asking point. For Colorado and so that was where the majority of fans kind of wanted the deal to happen with Colorado in the moment because we thought New Hook was involved but if in hindsight we knew Justin Barron was involved probably always would have opted for the Florida deal I'd say Chuck Fletcher masterclass but this was all Giroux <laughs> Giroux wanted to go to Florida he kind of handcuffed the leverage and the leaks yeah. got out way before the deadline so I, still I, getting I back what they got back is pretty decent I mean we're gonna Get that first round pick this year. I mean, Florida's yeah. good. 
And then Owen Tippett, a guy who we just locked up for eight more years. So that could, that has potential to be a, an extremely good deal for Philadelphia, considering that Florida doesn't even have him anymore. So, like, he's literally an Ottawa senator. So, like, to me, considering... It, it's, I'm what? sorry to interrupt you. It's so no. nice to have depth. And I, I, would, I would call Owen Tippett a depth player. He's obviously not, like, a top-line, yeah. spear, spearhead your franchise kind of player. It's so nice to have depth snipers. You know what I mean? Yeah, for so absolutely. long, I've seen our lines two, three, and four just have to grit it out and work and earn goals. And it's nice to have a guy down there who just gets it in transition and just roofs it. And you're like, oh, my God, he's not – like, he's not even the best player on the team either. He, he's a depth player, and he's making – he's cost-controlled, and he could score. It's like it's, – it's, it's kind of foreign to me as a Flyers fan to have depth scoring like this. but And it's young too. It's really exciting. I mean, you can transition right into – Ryan Paling too, because he just signed that extension. Two more years for him at one point nine million dollars. He gets a five hundred thousand dollar raise. So he's another what guy a, what a five years up. old. Yeah, no, right. Honestly, what a pickup! Like just the age, the speed, how he can match up against other teams' bottom sixes. Like I look at the New Jersey Devils, especially. Like if if you're gonna play a team like that in a playoff series, you're gonna need a Ryan Paling to match up with their speed down the line. And, oh, absolutely. And he's 24. Like that, That's the beautiful part. Like This isn't like a Tyler Pitlick. You got him on one year. He's in his 30s. He's eventually going to be shipped off even after a good season. It's like, no, he can build on this and just be a solid depth piece for us for well, at least the next two years. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, he's third. I mean, we, we lead the league. We're, our, our PK is second best in the league at 86.3%. And then we lead the league in shorthanded goals with 12. PK has five. Paling has three, Walker has two, Lawton has one, and Garnet Hathaway has one. So, I mean, Paling's third in shorthanded goals on the team. Like you said, bottom six guy, fourth line, third line guy at most, who, like you said, speed. Like, I, we haven't had a guy with genuine skill. I mean, I'm not saying this guy's a, a, a star or anything, but genuine skill in the bottom six, like you, like you were just talking about with Tippett with goal scoring. But with the speed that he has, the way he can open up, and I mean that's why like, the transition game is so good. I mean, we got rid of Provorov, replace him with Walker, guys who can skate, get it in transition, and then you got have like Paling who can take a puck and just go in ten seconds. You know what I mean? So having that locked up, one point nine million. I mean that's perfect for a bottom sixer, twenty five years old, like you said. So I like it, man. We're not we're not going crazy. We're not handing them fucking five years at you know what I mean? Like it's a nice deal. Yeah. It's a nice little raise for what he already has. And, like, we're paying him for what he is. You know, it's nice to see us actually pay guys for what they are and not be like, I know I use this as, like, a example all the time, but when Dale Weiss signed with us and Exxon was like, yeah, you could be, like, a 20, 25 goal guy. It's like, no, like, can we stop signing guys and trying to fit, like, fit them into, like, a certain position or a certain role because you think that it could possibly happen? You know what I mean? Like, my opinion is a, perfect bottom sixer and we paid him like one and we extended him gave him stability which he kind of talked about after he signed the extension like it's nice to finally find a home and i really like it here and stuff so give him stability a little bit of a pay raise so it works out for both sides did you happen to see and i assume you did uh tortorella's comments on cam york about how he's like the best uh, defensive defenseman yeah. on the team right now like yeah. yeah i love that shit just giving him praise 
because yeah. anyone can see anyone who's watched the team this year like can see the strides York has made. He was thrusted into a high pressure position. Could yeah. have easily been a scenario where he doesn't live up to the to the one D role, but he has. He, he's taken it and he's ran with it. I'm really impressed. And now with he's York. even. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to transition that into Drysdale as well. Like, yeah, that, that's where I was going. Like, he's uh, Tortorello is even putting York with Drysdale now, hoping that not only are they close off the ice, but hoping he how he can help them out with the on ice stuff because like York has kind of like not mastered it, but has adapted so well. I mean, Tortorello was saying in that exact interview, I didn't even know if York was an NHL player in in, in camp because of how Tortorello didn't like his last stretch of games last year heading into training camp and. The fact that he went from there to, I think, Yorkies our best defensive player on the team in a matter of months is speaks volume to Cam York and the work that he's put in and the work that he's done and genuinely how good he is and how exciting that is considering he's, what, 23 years old. So not only is it great there, but like Tortorello like kind of tipping his hat and Looking back on it, what they did with York probably made more sense. I mean, we scratched our heads at the time. I know I did because, I, I mean, like we all know he was good enough to play in the NHL at the time, but to get that confidence back in the AHL and get him back in the NHL, I think it spoke volumes because he went into this summer really working hard and trying to get his game to the level of where it is now. So if he just keeps building on that and showing Drysdale, who's coming from a man-to-man system, a strict man-to-man system in – Anaheim to a, a zone defense here. So it's going to take a little bit of adapting, but the fact that Tortorella trusts York to kind of like develop and not develop, but like help Drysdale ease into that transition and speak about how like, it's not always good to have the coach yapping at a player. You know what I mean? It's good to have a player step in and be like, Hey, this is how you do things. So it's not coach. The player isn't always, best for the player, if that makes sense, is what he was trying to say. So I like how he's kind of adapted to Tortorello, and that's something that we've talked about. Like, he's really adapted to the new age NHL really well, and I think that's another good example of it. Who isn't playing their best hockey under John Tortorello right now? Um, I mean, I'm really sure there's good a point, few dude. names, but no, the that's names that you really want to pop off and improve and take steps have. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Owen Tippett. The player he's became under John Terrell is night and day. Morgan Frost, yeah. listen, Frost. I have, I still have um, complaints with the way Frost was handled. But at the end of the day, I look what the hell he's doing right now. Yeah. I mean, I can't complain about anything. Like the way he's trending, well, I'm going to see Morgan Frost get meaningful minutes in the playoff game. Who am I to complain about what, what the hell happened in game five? You know? Yeah, for sure. But so January 1st. 15 points in 17 games. I mean, you can't complain. Anytime he's been given like free reign, he's just taken off with it, man. We can compare it to last year since January 1st. It's kind of like the same thing. Like a little bit of slow to begin because he don't know where doesn't know where he stands and he thinks he's gonna get benched for every mistake he makes. But as soon as you you're like, okay, Frost, just go out there and play your game, man. He just goes out there and does his thing, man. That was the best game personally that I've seen him play in a Flyers uniform. I know he had the five, the, what, the four-point game against Florida last year. I know, but that was just – he, he just, like Tortorella said, post-game, man, he just put the team on his back last night. That was just incredible. He, he was just – drew, what, three penalties himself? 
just yeah from his shiftiness and elusiveness and just cutting just it out space. of space yeah, yeah just, just create, getting separation guy trips him i mean listen everywhere. to the top listen to the top 4 in scoring since january 4th uh january 1st you got tk who's obviously number 1 18 points in 18 games Faraby, 16 points in 18 games Frost, 15 points to 17 games. And then Tippett, 10 points in the, in the 14 games because he missed a little bit. I mean, those top four is exactly like if you would have told me in Jan, in, in October, hey, on in February, since January 1st to then, these were your top four scorers on the team. And these are the points in those games. If you were told me it's Frost, TK, Farabee, and Tippett, I mean, that's exactly what we wanted, right? I mean, those are the four guys that you looked at and you're like, hey, if the Flyers are going to be good, those are the four guys that need to be good, you know? Yeah, I would maybe lump in Coots, but Coots has always been two-way, and yeah. he's coming off an injury. Yeah. So you, you never worry about Coots, no matter what. So even if he's no. not in the top four, I'm not too worried about him. So. I was actually talking to, uh, to Zach and Derek about him earlier uh, a couple days ago. We basically have, like, 19-year-old Coots right now. Like, He's that elite defensive player still, but you don't quite have the offense. And I think we'll see more of that offense next year as he gets back into the groove of things. But right now we kind of just have like the elite side of Coots. And that's still a really good player. You know what I mean? So we -hmm. have like early stage Coots right now. Yeah, he's 2016 Coots is in there right now. (laughs) Absolutely. So not worried about him at all. I'm definitely going to be honest. I'd pay a lot of money to get the conversation between Tortorella and Morgan Frost. Some well, January second, yeah, dude. yeah, yeah. Like I originally thought, like, okay, it's just a player's fired up conversation, and then then Frost had a good game. And I'm like, all right, that's the response you want to see. But what I'm seeing now, what was said? He he's playing entirely <laughs> different. He he's since that that game too, or since that conversation, yeah. he has looked like the. Best player on the team outside of Travis Konechny. And, and to the point about Tortorella getting players to play their best hockey, mm-hmm. I mean, he's reeled in Travis Konechny's inconsistency issues to a point where, like, Travis Konechny is just the guy now. Like, he is the consistent, you can always rely on him. He's going to get his kind of guy and the strides he's taken as a leader as well. But the consistency thing, because you would see it with TK. You would have, he would have a year like this. And then he would not have a year like this the next year. But so far under Tortorella, you've seen just two seasons where he has undoubtedly been the go-to guy. And he's embraced it. Before we have Derek on to finish, I just want to get your opinion before he comes on. And he's definitely going to talk about this. I I 100% agree with what you said with, with TK. And we obviously have the trade deadline looming. What are your thoughts on like the re-signing? Because we we can only resign them after July 1st. So we would have to wait a little bit, but like, what's your thoughts on like the whole trading him, resigning him? Like he is 27 years old, March 11th. Like what's your whole, what's your whole deal with that? Like, what's your opinion? I mean, I'm interested to hear. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't disagree with the notion of cashing in on him. It's just, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to do it just to do it. Like I, I need to be genuinely wild. I need a team to come out of the woodwork. I need a team to really want Travis connect me. And give us a package where even I, as a fan, and I, I can't, I can't like draw out this pack. I don't know what it is, but it, it has to be a package where I, as a fan, go, okay, I, I see why you greenlit this trade. I see why you did this trade. It makes sense for the future. I just, I don't want them to do it and get an underwhelming return, 
and then have to wait four or five years for some picks to pan out. And then you're watching them on the Phantoms and then they get caught up and then they're back to the <laughs> Phantoms. But, but if it's for a wowing trade, like a timeline fitting center, timeline fitting defenseman that makes sense and you got to give to get if, if it's a package where i'm like okay you you had to give up a travis connect need to get this level of return back yeah th- then i can live with it because you, like i said you got to give to get uh, i know at some point this regime is going to have to make a, a gamble move a big swing move where yeah it might have people scratching their heads but all great teams do this they, they, i mean they take the big swing eventually i uh, look at florida florida won the president's trophy but then they got bounced by the lightning and they were like, we're going to take a swing, shake this entire thing up, go out, got Kachuk, reframe their entire franchise and got to tip the cap to them for that. So, but like the creativity, I've seen it there in the past. I need to see it going forward. Basically where I'm at with this is it, it just depends on the return. I always think of going off what you just said about how you kind of have to give and get and teams have to bake teams eventually have to take big swings if they want to compete with Tampa. I kind of think of the Sarkachev trade. Didn't they trade Duran for Sarkachev? And at the time it was just like Duran was like the high end prospect, but now looking at hindsight, Sarkachev is like one of the, probably the best defenseman on that team. If not, Hed- I mean, Hedman's still there obviously, but I mean, at this point, Sarkachev like might be really, really close to Hedman. It's not on the same level in terms of just, defensive play. I know he just got hurt after coming back, but I always think of that trade. Like, big gamble kind of trade. At the time, people were like, oh, that's... like There were people on both sides complaining, but looking back on it, like that really helped them. I mean, that trade was huge in the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously they have what they have in like Point and Khrushchev, and that helps too, Vasilevsky, but like, defensively, I mean, they have Hedman, but like, other than that, they don't really have any other guys defensively other than Sergachev. Like if they don't make that move, yeah, you know what I mean? Like I'm not saying yeah. maybe they don't win cups, but I mean that's a really fucking big move. And that's a yeah, gamble. And that's what I that's exactly what like popped into my head when you were just talking about that. So yeah, if you might eventually have to make that move. Like you said, I mean, I agree with what you say about TK. You you have to get blown away, and you can't just make the Make the trade to make the trade. You kind of compare it to maybe the Kevin Fiala trade where they got Brock Brock Faber and then a first round pick. That's what like you'd have to give me a prospect that I know is gonna be really good and then a first round pick. TK at this point. This is random, but that that trade was blockbuster in the moment. The Sergachev Druin. Isn't it crazy how those two teams ended up meeting in the finals just a couple years later? Yeah. And Tampa obviously wiped the floor with them. Montreal, that was just a feel-good story. They were injury-riddled to begin with. But uh, it's just crazy how that – completely forgot about that. Like, Sergeyev and Druin matched up in the finals. But. And the fact that, like, looking back since, what, 2015, 2014, seeing how Tampa, like, built their team up until now is, like, really cool to look back on. Like, all of, like, the guys that they – like, especially that trade. I mean, that's a big trade when you look back on how they got to the point where they are, but and it's like all those guys are homegrown, man. Like they didn't, other than Sergachev, like who else, they didn't trade for anybody else, you know? So it's just, I've always had respect. Like people have always got like annoyed with them. And like, I, at a certain point like with the Kansas city chiefs, you just get annoyed seeing the same fucking team dominate, obviously, unless it's your team, but I've always had a respect for them for the way they built their team. Tampa's the one dynasty that doesn't annoy me, 
And at the end of the day, I think it's because they they eliminated the Islanders twice in the Eastern Conference Finals on on the way there. But I don't know what it is. I I just weirdly like them. I, I weirdly like them. And like you said, it's it's easy to root for the consistent contender, the, the dynasty. It's super easy. Like Golden State Warriors. After a while, it's like to get these guys out of the finals, you know. Yeah, right. But with the Lightning, it's like I actually I want to see them match up against the Leafs again this year, and I want to see them win it. And I want to see them go on a run, unless it's against us, of course. I'm not used to saying that. I'm not used to having a playoff team in the race. But isn't that crazy, dude? Like, it's February 13th, and the Flyers are third in the Metro, 29-19 and six. Dude, these that this winning streak has been so big for padding that, especially yeah, because these other teams they're they're fumbling. They're they're not reeling it in, if you will. Like the Devils, the Penguins, they're dropping one and winning one, dropping one, and we just keep on winning, keep on winning. And yeah, what did you say about the Devils after the Stadium Series game? If we win that game, I mean, ten points difference. Yeah. Uh. Oh, so the Devils actually won their game tonight. Yeah, they did. They did. Yeah. So. That changes, Which, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, they were losing in that game. I was hoping that they would have lost, but they didn't. Nonetheless, though, they have a lot of issues. And they do. I just I just don't see them getting in. Especially because we're the team in the way. And I can't in my right mind yeah. see us falling so that they can step up. But this stadium series game is big, man. It really yeah, is. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that. We put them away in regulation right here. It it gets kind of insurmountable for them. It's a long climb. Like catching up eight points with twenty or so games left is is insanely hard, especially with OT and yeah. all that. And they have not been consistent this year, so for them to consistently string along wins towards the end will be kind of hard for them, in my opinion. Yep, um, that's why I think this one's big because if they beat the Flyers, yeah. you have to you have to think there's a target on the Flyers' back from the Devils and vice versa, like the. The Flyers aren't dumb. They know the teams that are nipping at their heels and the teams that they have to put away. And mm-hmm. this is going to be a high-intensity game. And I feel like if the Devils are to win this one, especially in dominating fashion, they might actually take this and kind of smell blood in the water. But I just hope it's the reverse effect. I hope we just stomp them out right here. In I really life. hope so. Dude, 8, 8 p.m., right? It met life on ABC, yep. like, I'm fucking ready, man. Flyers, Devils. And if you would have told me in the beginning of the season that this game would have meant anything in terms of like, hey, the Flyers aren't actually in a playoff spot during this game, I wouldn't have believed you. So it's uh, as crazy as it sounds, and I know like nothing can emulate the playoffs, but like I feel like we're going to get a little bit of taste of that, Danny. A little bit of taste of what it's going to be like if they actually do make the playoffs. Because we haven't felt that in years. You know what emulates the playoffs? A hundred thousand fans in an outside stadium. Absolutely, yeah. it may even have like a, l- a little bit more to it. Honestly, maybe not. But like, you know what I mean? It's, it's <laughs> yeah. gonna feel like a special event. Like I look at the Flyers Stadium Series game against the Penguins. That year was horrendous. There's nothing to take away from that year. I mean, the game after uh, Wayne Simmons goes, it's a sad moment. Like there was nothing fun about that season. But that game in particular, <laughs> the stakes felt high. It felt oh like my a god, game. yeah. And then now it's like this is this is it. This is for the third metro spot. They're they're gunning for us. It, this is like that game times ten to me. Fuck yeah. And we're on the road too. Like I want to shut all those New Yorkers up, dude. <laughs> it's gonna be dude. It's a huge game. 
I can't wait. Uh, we do have some questions, so you want to get into those? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, our boy Alex. He goes, predictions for each of the following players at the deadline. Walker, Sealer, Stahl, Lawton, Risto. Um, I got Walker and Lawton gone, and the rest are here. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I think, think I think they finally pulled the trigger on Scott Lawton. Yeah, I think Walker and Lawton get packaged, to be honest with you. That's the hope. I would love that because that return could actually excite me. I feel like you would have to eat the contracts, like eat 50% or bring on a contract. But if you do that, like you said, I think that return could be fucking nice. I, I do think you could take Walker Lawton either retained or take back another bad contract and definitely get a first back. I think Ristolainen is the wild card. I, I would not be shocked if Ristolainen left. So, it's either going to be one of Walker or Risto. I I agree with Danny. I think they finally pulled the trigger with Lawton. Um, I don't see Stahl going anywhere. I don't think any team is going to give up anything for him, nor do I think any team thinks he would add anything to them right now. Um, and I don't think Seal is going anywhere. So, yeah, I think... Yeah, Stahl, like, I don't mean to be a douchebag, but Stahl is, like, essentially... <laughs> this sounds so douchey, but he's like a cheerleader right now in the locker room. Like he's like a vibes guy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know he's subbing in on some nights and playing games, but for the most part, he he doesn't like tip the balance of the decor or the lineup no. or roadblock anybody. So like he's not gonna go anywhere because no one's gonna like him, but even him staying is like whatever. Like they might trade Walker and call up No, they wouldn't call up anyway because you have Zamora who's they, they keep going the seven days, so I don't know, man. It, it, it's it's going to be really interesting. Could they move to a defenseman? Like I've been debating with myself back and forth. Do they move? Like they they could they could potentially move one of Walker or Ristolainen and then Sealer or Stall. Like you never know, dude. Like if a team's like, hey, like we want that veteran presence on our young playoff aspiring team. Like who knows, dude? Like. They could trade two defensemen, have Zamula slot. I mean, they could trade Zamula too. Like, I mean, that's a wild card as well. Um, they, they don't seem like they're totally in love with him. Um, and he's what 23, 24 years old. So, I mean, uh, but like they could do that and then call up Adderd and like slot him in there. Cause I mean, I think he's been pretty good. You have Andrea knocking at the door as well. So, I mean, you have a couple of guys and 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 with the Phantoms who could potentially come up if they do decide to move one or two guys on that back end. So there's a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of, of question avenues. Marks. Yeah. yeah. It's a good question though. I like, well, that I one. mean, the creativity has been there for the most part. This front office has been unpredictable. So it's not, yeah. For the most, like for the majority of our time as flyers fans, everything has been predictable. Like they're not going to go out and get the big fish, blah, blah, blah. But this regime is kind of like thus far put like, I know it's early, but they've put that to bed thus far. They've kind of, I don't know, they've been creative. They've been exciting. So I have no reason to believe that they're not going to do the same here. Like, I don't think it's going to be the normal cookie cutter Chuck Fletcher deadline. Like, I'm expecting some fireworks for sure. I mean, like, we have multiple people with sources already coming out telling us how, how like, they're a playoff team, man. They're, t- they're fielding calls. I mean, Emily Kaplan just said something on Twitter uh, a couple hours ago about that. Um, Anthony. That also plays into their favor. And I think that's why they're not super quick to to be like, yeah, we're shopping this guy. Please call it. Like, 
That's why yeah. it's a little bit more low key than that. Like they're taking calls, but they're not in a rush to move him. It's because they're a playoff team. And yeah, absolutely. It, it actually works in their favor. Like you want this guy? Well, we're probably going to see you in the playoffs. So you're going to have to pay us a premium if you really want him. Because mm-hmm, you're going to have to see us in the playoffs. Like you want to take away from our depth. Like we are a playoff team. You want to, that, that's going to cost you. We are not yeah, a team. You better, that, yeah, you better. Dude, like, you know, he's like, you want Scott Lawton? Do you know we're in a fucking playoff team? Do you know the vibes that he gives off in the fucking locker yeah. room? And that helps like all across the board with his value. Yeah, absolutely. It helps, like, making the deal. Yeah. I mean, Danny's not dumb, man. Like, I, no. I, I've been saying it for months. Probably a year now, Danny. And I'm talking to you. They're going to walk into this draft with three first-round picks. They're not going to pick three three times either. Like, they have something up their sleeve. If you're not going to be picking top five, and acquiring talent like that, if you're picking in the teens and you have three first round picks potentially, which I really do think they end up with another one, you got you have to make a move like that, right? I think something's coming, Danny. I really do. I agree. I mean, we talked about it on text last night. Seeing what this regime, seeing what they've seen this year, knowing that Mitch Cobb is he he's here. He's just waiting to be activated. Like if he was in the NHL right now, he would be he'd be lighting it up. Like we we're yeah. not gonna deny that, right? You have to think that this doesn't speed like this speeds up the timeline a little bit, not to the point where they're completely altering course, but there I don't see a scenario where they go into the draft with picks 16, 21, and 26, and then no. pick those guys and then have to wait four years just to see them on the Phantoms before that you can even sniff Mishka. I I I I doubt that's their thinking. I, yeah, I genuinely don't think so either, man. Like, I, I, I think. I mean, they, you can vouch for me. How long have I been saying that? Like, they're gonna package up picks. Like, and I, this was way before I even thought the fact that we could potentially have three first round picks entering this draft. Like, I, I've been saying it for a while. Like, they have to package up picks to go and do something. If this is the this is the way they're gonna do, it. they're not gonna be picking top five next year like they're they have guys on this team that are like just too good especially frost keep playing the way he has yorkie drysdale tippet connectney if connectney stays stays uh just Faraby. i mean he's one of the best five five on five players in the league this year advanced stats wise i mean he's just they're not gonna be picking top five top ten like you know what i mean like so if you, this is the way you're gonna go and mitch Cobb's coming over so you're gonna have to get creative and I'm excited for what they do, man. That that, that question kind of just had us going off the rail there. The quick rebuttal to that is always like historically it's it's hard to trade up. Nobody likes trading yeah, up. Yeah. But but historically, not a lot of teams have three first round picks to offer you. You know, like that that if you are a let's say GM of a really bad team, you're starting a rebuild, that's that's a little bit enticing. I mean, this draft isn't 2023. After all, yeah. it has it has good player. Every draft is the at the depth, top has nothing. Yeah, exactly. So I could see a scenario where a team starting a rebuild gets can sell that to their fan base. Like, hey, I, yeah, this high pick is gone, but look, we have three firsts now, and that that like an entire organization could build something with that from the ground floor. But that doesn't fit our timeline, though. 
I guess that's my point. Like that that would that See, would like, fit a shark's timeline. That would fit a yeah. like maybe a duck's timeline. But for us, I just don't see them, especially if they are to resign a guy like Connect Me. Yeah. Why are you going to draft three guys in the mid to late first round to wait five to six years? Like by then, Connect Me is going to be the anchor contract by the, by the time those guys are here. Yeah. So the worry with that is, is like our pick right now would be what late twenties. And then Florida would also be late 20s because they're one of the best teams in the league. And then whoever we get is probably going to be late 20s because they're a playoff team. If we get another, like, honestly, it might be a 2025 first round pick. We might have two first round picks this year and then two next year. I think as of right but, now, we'd be 22. 22. Like, we're, we're, we're not trading up top 10. Like, a team in the top 10 is not trading all the way back to 22, even if they do get three first round picks in the deal. I just don't see that. So, like, I still think those picks are going to go to like for to an active roster player. You know what I mean? Like I don't think they're going to package up to go up in the oh, draft. Yeah. I think it's going to go to in a deal to go get a, a guy that's already on an active roster that a team wants to move or like move on from, or the Flyers think that they can really just turn it like mold into like a really good center or a defenseman. You know what I mean? Like there's no way they can trade up that. Like you really just don't. Like, I mean, Alex DeBrink at wet for like what? Eighth overall, ninth overall, I kind of forget, but you rarely see teams, especially that far, like twenties up to like the te- even the teens would be crazy if they could do that. So I'm really looking for them to just make another type of not another one, but just draft picks for draft picking a roster player or multiple draft picks and a roster player for a young guy. You know what I mean? I'll say this: if you if you broke into my house put a gun to my head and was like, what yeah. is the Flyers plan? You need to tell me right now. I don't care if it's wrong. You got to tell me right now. What do you think is the Flyers plan? And I still think it's Trevor Zegers. Yeah. I still think it's Trevor Zegers. I think the injury halted things a little bit. I just refuse to believe that there wasn't some conversations had during the Drysdale Gauthier situation. And I think it's going to be revisited. I really do. I think it's just one of those things where you do it in the summer. It's it's not a midseason. You don't trade a no. Trevor Zegers off an ankle injury in mid February. It, it doesn't happen. It's not going to happen. But I do think that they're they're like okay, we'll, 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 we'll call you again in the summer. We'll call you again in the summer. We're going to have a lot of assets. We're going to have some interesting pieces. We'll, we'll call you again. We'll do business. I like again. that. That's spicy. I'm going to clip that. It is. Yeah, that's interesting. Definitely that, that's like back that's that like one. gun to my head. Just I just. <laughs> it just makes sense. Like they, they need a center. They they need skill. He's Anaheim is Both. not. He doesn't really fit Anaheim's current timeline, which I don't fully get. If I'm an Anaheim fan, that would piss me off. But he doesn't yeah. fit that timeline, if you will. They want to get rid of him. He's quote unquote underperforming. I think the time is now. I I do before he finally puts together. An insane season, and that Anaheim wants to keep him. No, I would love it. Dude, could you imagine Zegers, Mitchkov, and like Frost on the same fucking line or some shit? Dude, what if it's June? Right, we're we're going into the draft. We have three first, and we're still sitting yeah. here like, what's the plan? Are they really going to go pick three first up? And then right by draft night, the Zegers trade gets announced. The yeah, SK, the Ska buyout with Mishkov gets announced. 
<laughs> yeah. Horror, just, just like that, they're entering UFA oh, and, and, and draft night with a fucking contending roster. I mean, uh, dude, I'd be I'm, in heaven. I'm having fun with it. I'm having fun with the thought of it. But, like, oh, this regime has got me thinking that that's not out of the realm of possibility. I no longer feel like, like, oh, I'm just uh, thinking, like, a orange color glasses on, you know? Yeah. Like, at some point, they're yeah. going to have to make a move like that. Like, you said it during, during the show. Like, is your, your plan yeah. can't just be Mitchkov. It can't just be, like, let's just throw Mitchkov in and run it. Like, there has to be something else cooking. I mean, and, that, and that's Derek's. And I hope he'll be on in about 10 minutes to speak his part. He'll definitely talk about this, but just to kind of preview it. And that's his thing with the whole, like, re-sign TK. And absolutely, TK right now is an elite producer. But it, when Mitch Hop comes over in the timeline that we think he's going to come over, like, Darius is kind of like, are we going to be paying this guy? Because he's going to demand, what, $9, $10 million? And is he going to be that player when he's, like, 30-ish, 31 years old, 32 years old, when Mitch Hop's in his prime and we're surrounding him with, Travis connecting and like don't really have any other money for anybody else. So he'll he'll definitely expand on that when he comes and talks. And I definitely want him to do that. But it's no, I absolutely like, I, see, I, I see both sides. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Uh, one hundred. I can absolutely see the scenario where four years into that deal, we're sitting here as fans going, "Man, Mitch Cobb needs some help." And then we look at the cap friendly and realize why he's not getting that help. I could easily see that scenario. Don't. No. Don't get it twisted. I think that's probably more probable than the flip side, which is Konechny becomes a Flyers legend and wins here and this, that. Because that's the only way those those eight-year contracts to a guy who's 27 is worth it if, if he wins. If he wins enough to make you forget about the last two to three years, which I could easily see the scenario where that doesn't happen. So, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's a... Yeah, I, I don't envy. I'm sorry. I'll just end this on this point. I don't envy the organization and this decision because kind of a lose lose or a win win. Either way, you want to think of it. But it's you sign Konechny. Yeah, you, there's some fans who are happy. Then there's some fans who are looking big picture who are definitely not happy. You don't sign Konechny. There's a lot of people in the stands who have number 11 jerseys who are not going to be happy with that. But in two to three years after that, when they see the the fruits of it, that they may come back. But it's I don't envy the the can, front office. Can I say something real quick? Like, is it a little bit weird to you that it's they only they can only sign PK on like, after July first? And these rumors that like, oh hey, the Flyers are re-signing TK, or like hey, they're talking about re-signing TK are coming out now. Like, isn't that a little odd? Or is it just me? Am I reading too deep into that? Uh, like, what do you think the coincidence is there? Like, for me, I mean, this might just me reading way too deep into it, but like, it's maybe the Flyers trying to get it out to other teams that eh, we're thinking about resigning them if you want them, like, come get them because we're thinking about doing it kind of thing. Like, trade for them now or trade deadlines coming up. And like, why would these rumors come out now and not in the summer? Because I mean, you can't do it now. Maybe they're opening the door for a sign-in trade to maximize value. I don't know, but I no, I, no, I no, no that actually no, that actually makes sense if you think about it because yeah, you, you would get more value because obviously someone doesn't want to trade for Travis Konechny and then have to go through negotiations. If if they're putting it out to the media mm-hmm. now, hey, this is his number, and teams get comfortable with like, okay, I can see our team paying Travis Konechny yeah. that, and then it plants the seed early on for a sign-in trade. So I, I do, yeah, I can see that. 
yeah, I just thought it was a little odd that it was just. I was like, oh yeah, maybe they'll resign him sooner. Then I, oh, I, I remembered. I was like, yeah, that can't happen until July first. So, I mean, it could just and like we said, we've talked about it so many times. The shit doesn't leak from the Keith Jones Philadelphia Flyers. Do you know what I mean? Unless yeah. he wants it to be leaked. Yeah, I mean, starting with the Mitchkov draft. We like, didn't know about Cutter Gauthier until fucking 7 p.m. on a on a, on a what Tuesday against the Penguins. Literally the night before that trade, I'm making hype video highlights of them. <laughs> so that's what like, I'm saying. So like you're telling me this got out, and I know it's just like extending a an already active player. It's not no, like you're hey, right. that's a fantastic point. That's a fantastic. <laughs> if something's getting out, it's purposeful. Because if they don't want something to get out, it doesn't get out. That's a fantastic point. Anything that you see from the Flyers that leaks or gets out, they want it there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, this Flyers, the Keith Jones-led Flyers, from what I've seen, yeah. And guess who's here? Perfect timing what? to defend, not defend, but to articulate on his TK point. The one and only Derek. Let's see if he's underwater or not. Derek? Oh no. <laughs> that's that's not a good sign. Derek? Oh no, he's not here. All right, well, we'll get him back soon. So, but no, seriously, like I I do feel like that's a pretty weird, not weird thing, but something that I wanted to mention to you. I'm glad that we're ha- we're having this conversation about it because I was kind of like, hmm, because if something as massive as meeting with Mitch Cobb in private doesn't get out and Cutter Gauthier off off a World Juniors tournament getting traded to the, if those things aren't leaking out, then what like we well, they're, ta- they're taking calls on Scott Lawton. Like they want that out there. You know what I mean? Like if the yeah. big shit isn't getting out, there's no like that's purposeful. They, they I agree. What's up, Derek? Derek? Yo. Yo, there he is. Okay, we're good. Sorry about that. You're okay. We're okay. We wanted you to just kind of expand on your whole connect need thing because we just talked about like the the pros of signing him and what it could mean. But like we were, we really wanted you because we really thought your point on that was pretty uh pretty good. Okay, so my whole thing with signing Konechny is that ultimately you are about to pay a guy. Nine million dollars when he is unlikely to help you for the period that you're really looking to need help, which is when Mitchkoff is in his prime. Like, it's great that we're having a great year, it's great that we're fighting to make the playoffs. That's all awesome. Ultimately, when you draft Matt Faye Mitchkoff, the most important years of your franchise come when Matt Faye Mitchkoff is 23 to 26 years old. And if we are dedicating $9 million of our cap to a guy who does not figure to be worth $9 million when that day comes, I just don't understand the point. I I don't get it. I mean, it makes sense for this team. It doesn't make sense for the team that we are ultimately valuing or the team that we should ultimately be prioritizing. Danny? 
Yeah, that's kind of what we were talking about when we listed the the pros and cons. And I was saying I actually see more of the con side to that argument. I actually think the the pro side of it is just it just pleases fans who who love Konechny. And while that's great, it doesn't really translate to winning Stanley Cups. It just it's just good PR. I, yeah. I could easily see the scenario where three, four years from now we're going, we need to get Mishkov some help. We need to get him some top line help. And we can't get that help because we have a $9 million guy who's 32. So I absolutely can see that side of it, 100%. I I think everybody and a lot of the responses I get on Twitter is kind of focused on like when Mitchkov is 21 years old, which is really impatient to me. Like, everybody has this idea that we are just going to be a good team, okay? We are going to be a great team, and then Mitchkoff is going to come in, and then he's 21 years old, and he's going to push us over the top. I feel like that is setting up not only Mitchkoff, but the entire organization to fail. The expectations that the people who want to extend Konechny from $9 million is essentially that Mitchkov is going to fly right over from Russia and start winning Stanley Cups. Do we hold anybody to that standard? Do we hold Connor McDavid to the standard of pop up in the league in your rookie season and start winning Stanley Cups? I don't think we do. And yet that is the standard we're setting for Mitchkov if we're extending Konechny. And it seems like what we did to Drew all over again. Yeah, it does. And this is also, I'm going to throw this in there, and I'm not taking sides, but Konechny, he's on pace. He's 26 years old, 27 on March 11th. He's on pace for 74 points in 82 games this year. And his career high is 61. And that was in 2022, 2023, and 2019-2020. So, I mean, this guy's almost 27 years old. His career high is 61 points. He'll probably surpass that this year, 74. But, like, I see that point. I really do. I mean, giving, I mean, he's going to want more than $9 million. I mean, like that you said it there, I saw you say it on Twitter. You don't think his agent is going into this negotiation with the fact that the cap's going up, baked into the conversation, baked into the, uh, uh, the contract negotiation. So they're going to want more than nine. And I mean, like you look at some of the guys who make 9 million. I mean, like Johnny hockey, Matthew Kachuk, Stone, Nikita Kucherov, Kuch, Point, Rantanen. Like, is he those guys? Because I, I love connecting, but I really do see your point, man. Because if it's like eight by like eight, I think I'd be cool with that. He's going to make over a million dollars more a year than Jack Hughes if we sign him to that contract. Yeah, I mean, and Jack Hughes was a, like a bargain deal when he signed it. He like, was. It was a little bit of a risk when they did it because, like, it was, like, before he broke out into what he was. So, like, it's hard to – like, I didn't compare it to the fucking Ovechkin contract because Ovi signed that deal how long ago? Like, if Ovechkin oh, was yeah. signing a deal mm-hmm. when he was 27, now he would get, like, probably – but you can't compare those two at all. Like, and he's not Ovechkin, but – While the Jack Hughes deal is a risk, it's also an example. You do not want to sign the 27-year-old who just now proved himself and wants fair market value. If you're yeah. a rebuilding team, you want to take a risk like the Devils took on Jack Hughes. The Devils had justifiable reason to believe that Jack Hughes would turn into something that made $8 million look like a bargain, and that's what happened. Mm-hmm. The Flyers are going to sign Konechny 
assuming they do, with the idea that he'll just barely be worth $9 million? I I don't understand the logic for a rebuilding team. I, I don't. I'm going to run something by you real quick that I just ran by Danny right before you hopped on. But, like, do, don't you think the fact that, like, the new lead flyers and how the Cutter Gauthier thing never got out, the Mitch Gov coming to the skate zone over in the summer never got out. But don't you think the fact that, like, the Konechny, we're, we're, we're re-signing him or we're thinking about re-signing him or we're talking to his agent, despite the fact that they can't do it until July 1st is kind of odd? Or do you think that's just normal that – or it's just it's a contract odd. kind of thing. I will say it is odd. So I don't want to say they're definitely going to do it. I It's odd, but it's also, I can see why it would happen that way in the sense that Konechny is a fan favorite. They probably believe correctly that a lot of people aren't going to think too hard about the dollars and the years and the timelines and all that and are just going to go, yay, we re-signed Konechny. I mean, ultimately, remember when uh, DeMarco first reported that Owen Tippett's camp was going to ask for $7 million in an extension, and we all kind of like laughed him out of the room? Not DeMarco, but we laughed like Owen Tippett's agent out of the room. What ultimately ended up happening in two months? Owen Tippett signed for six something. Yeah. Within a million dollars of the figure that got him laughed out of the room. Yeah. And the fact that he probably took a, a hometown discount to get that figure back. I mean, they probably did want seven, but they're like, if you give me eight, if you give us eight, we'll 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 bump it down to six point two because he just he wanted stability apparently. So Yeah, you know, it's classic negotiating. You start with seven and then yeah, all of a sudden yeah. you make it feel like the other party got a deal well, good when point. they talk you down to your actual number. And what made made me uh, interested, but also uh, fucking terrified was DeMarco didn't put out, oh, Konechny's camp is going to ask for nine like he put it with Tippett. What he mm-hmm. said was Konechny will get well into the nines. So yeah, that, that, yeah, that did scare me. I'm not going to lie. I was like, does that mean 9.7? Does that mean nine point like six? What does that mean? <laughs> does that mean even if it's like nine point five? Oh my god! This yeah, dude. yeah, that's like, a lot, dude. It, we're just not at that point. And I mean, okay, look, he, here's my challenge for everybody who thinks we are at a point to where we can re-sign Konechny for nine and a half million dollars. Which single player can we add onto the roster right now to win a Stanley Cup? Because everybody remember when we were going to sign Johnny Gaudreau for this same dollar amount, and everybody's like, yeah. "Oh my God, we can't do that. We're not a Johnny Gaudreau away from winning a Stanley Cup." Now, fast forward two years, and everybody thinks we're a Travis Konechny away from winning a Stanley Cup. That's apparently the argument. Yeah. I, I don't understand, or is it? I, I guess Travis Konechny is just such an entertaining figure, and don't get me wrong. He's a really entertaining figure. He's a great he player. Is. But at the same he's time... He's good. This isn't us saying he's bad. No! It, look, the, the only reason this is a conversation is because he's good enough that he's going to get nine-something. Yeah, yeah. 
It's just that he's not good enough that I want to throw away any concept of a rebuild or the timeline or anything else because Travis Konechny getting $9 million is the most important thing in my world. It is not. Derek, one point I made to Chris before you came on is since they're leaking out the numbers already, and I know they did it with Tippett and ended up signing him, but since they're already getting like a, a framework out there of what the deal is going to be like, do you think they're planning a seed for a potential sign-in trade maybe, and they're just getting the number out to get other organizations, other front offices just comfortable with what that number is going to look like going into the talks? Or That is interesting. It, it's certainly possible. I mean, it sign-in trades in the NHL are so interesting, especially at this dollar amount, because it's always a question of who has the cap space and who actually wants to do it. Like, you know, for all the same reasons that we're sitting here and saying, I don't know about extending Konechny, who in the NHL fits both of these two categories, I'm about to say. One has nine point something million dollars of cap space just lying around two is a is a travis konechny away from contending for the stanley cup none (laughs) (laughs) i don't really think anybody so you're kind of hoping and i'm not saying that this can happen but you're kind of hoping that like the ottawa senators from the alex to deal and I, I don't mean the Senators now. I just mean that, like, a team thinks they're the Ottawa Senators back when the Senators made the Debrinket deal. That, like, oh, now is their time to go contend. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, maybe Anaheim team... really thinks that if their entire roster doesn't simultaneously die, that they're actually a good team. <laughs> I'll read you off the top six of the a projected cap space right now. So you got Chicago, 8.5. No. Ducks, 8.4, which you just said. Buffalo at 8. So Buffalo could be like a team that, hey, maybe TK or something like that. Nashville is another team with 7.9. Then you got Columbus, Arizona. Then Detroit has 2.7. So that's where it kind of ends. There also could just be some more maneuvering from now until... Agreed. Like Agreed. July. Like I, that whole spiel wasn't to say it's impossible, by the way. Like this wasn't me uh, trying to shit on daddy's idea or anything. Not at all. Uh, it's more so just me thinking aloud. God damn, it is hard to make deals in the NHL today. Yeah. Well, LTIR, though, Tampa has 7.5, it looks like, current cap space. I'm looking at on cap. Oh, man. Uh, Rangers have four. Minnesota has four. The Devils have 10 with LTIR. Uh, Washington has 11 with LTIR. Damn. Calgary has two. So, yeah, there are some teams with Caspi, but definitely I, I understand what you're saying because even if they do trade for Konechny, you're going to have to resign them. <laughs> so, the, I probably not going to happen. The two teams that make some sense to me are Minnesota Ooh. and Nashville. Nashville makes a lot of sense to me. Always Nashville makes a ton yeah, I can, of I can, sense. I can just weirdly see him in it. In a Predators yeah, jersey, too. like it's just, I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, and they have the cap space, and they're they're not tanking. It's not like they got to preserve their rebuild, and they kind of need some dudes not named Philip Forsberg who can score. They're kind yeah, of like seriously. a one line team right now. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, 
Give me your give me your defenseman that you grow on trees over there in Nashville, dude. Yo, they got Tanner Melendike last year, dude. Give me him. Okay. Yeah, I'll take him for sure. I'll, I'll never forget during their cup run. I think one night me, me and Stumps went out. We got drunk. We were in an Uber and we were like, dude, how is there de- how do they always have a defense that good? And we put up their cap friendly. And it was just one through six, all elite and cost controlled. Meanwhile, we're paying bombs. You we're pulled up their top six and you saw the hockey hall of fame. <laughs> all cost controlled too, dude. Like Eckholes. Yeah, Ellis, it was like it was like Ryan right? Ellis, four million. Roman Yossi, five. Yeah, million. exactly. Yeah, dude. Matthias like, why? Echo, four million. PK For like six Subban. years. Like, what the fuck, bro? Like, and then we're we're handing Dale Weiss what, like five. Like, and an Andrew McDonald, <laughs> given Andrew McDonald shares of Comcast, dude. <laughs> know, dude. Rice is kind of calling us out here. Rice, Uh-oh. enough with the trade talk. What team do you want to see most in the first round? Who do you want to avoid at all costs? Because boys, buyers, or sellers, this team knows how to finish, and we are going to the playoffs. <laughs> I love it. I fucking love that, dude. I love it. Because guess what, Derek? We're going to the fucking playoffs, dude. It's yeah, It's more likely than not at this point. I mean, it's even, crazy, isn't it? Even I know without, you want like, trade, trade, trade. No, definitely trade the whole roster, okay? Like, <laughs> I want the whole team in China by yesterday, but even if I get my wish, we're still making the playoffs with the AHL squad. Exactly. Yeah. Trade the whole team. Elliot Desnoyers, first line in the playoffs. I'm with it. I'm honestly with it, dude. <laughs> I I would be so into that fucking series, bro, if just, it was just like fucking, yo, Desnoyers, 2C, bro. Frost is in fucking Detroit. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> But seriously, man, like third in the Metro, 64 points. Uh, the second wildcard team, Detroit, has 60. So, like, even if we don't stay where we are, like, we still have shot with a wild card, man. Like, it's it's pretty cool because we talked about the fact that, like, they could have three first-round picks depending on what they do trade deadline time. So, like, the fact that they could have – they have the leverage because, like Danny said earlier on the podcast, they can call a team – maybe it's an Eastern Conference team that wants to make the playoffs. I'm like, hey, we might see you in a couple months. So, like, if you want Scott Lawton, you're going to have to fucking pay for him. So, the fact that they have that leverage heading into the trade deadline and then just making the playoffs is great for your younger players like Frost, like York, like Drysdale, like Tippett, like, Conne- I mean, Connecty's 27. But, like... Yeah, fuck Connecty. He, he's aging. Both? Like, that, I read about that dude in the 1800s history textbook. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the fact that they're getting... I mean, I know it's cheesy to say, like, the fact that you're getting that experience in the playoffs for these younger guys, and you might still sell off the assets that you have, and then you the fact that you could walk into the playoffs, I mean, into the draft with the picks that you have, is just, it's enticing, man. Like, I, I really do think Briere has a ton of avenues, and if you're not going to be t- uh, picking top five, like I said earlier, Derek, you didn't hear this, if you're not going to be picking top five, top ten, which they're not going to be with no. the team that they have now, you're going to have to get creative. And the fact that they might have three first-round picks, I, I, something's happening. Me and Danny have already put it in, in stone. Something is happening at this draft. Don't know what it's going to be, but like they're going to make a move, man. 
Something horrific. Oh. Danny is not cooking. They did not. He did not request Chill. a trade. No, I'm kidding. What is love? <laughs> I'm kidding. Wait, da- wait, Danny. Derek was saying something about me and him were going back and forth the other day. He's like, Danny cannot make a trade unless the player requested. Like, like... <laughs> <laughs> that's, kind of, that's kind of funny, actually, because every player that he's traded in some like, way or another hey, has requested or, or had to waive something. <laughs> Lucas said last. I, I mean, I know uh, he wasn't the GM. Lucas said last. I always woke up one day and he was like, I'm gone. Like, I mean, I know it has nothing to do with the trade request, but the fact that we were just talking about players dipping, it was just that was one of the funniest. One of the funnier things that's happened to the Flyers and nobody really talks about. That dude literally just woke up one day and was just like, you know what? <laughs> He's like, I had I'm cool. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Oh, oh, wait, didn't that – I think the original question was, who do you want to see in yeah, the yeah, playoffs? So, yeah, and I'm I, sorry. Have, I don't know where that I just went. I have a funny answer to that. Carolina. Yeah. That's who you want to see? Yeah. And Damn, I think there's too. there's a little bit of a systemic reason behind it, like a tactical reason behind it. So Carolina absolutely loves to do their whole uh, relentless four check. We're sending five men deep into the zone to try and murder you. Well, the Flyers are kind of like the perfect team yeah. to just make a series of little five foot, ten foot passes to beat their like four guys pinching down below the dots. And all of a sudden, it's a breakaway for any Flyers forward besides for Sean Couturier, who physically can't get breakaways. Every other Flyers forward will be feasting on breakaways purely because the Hurricanes. If they don't get you, if they don't, you know, kill the exit with their four check and start cycling the puck around and shooting at your net 8,000 times in a cycle of death, if they don't do that, then they're probably going to give up a breakaway. And that's this whole team. Like, that's what this team does, is they just feast on the rush. So give me Carolina, who kind of feeds into that. And yeah. just leaves nobody back to defend a rush except maybe Jacob Slavin, who is saying, guys, you already made me do this 30 times. Why? I am tired. <laughs> I like that. And I feel like their scoring output kind of taps out to a certain extent. I feel like we see it in the playoffs all the time. Like they love winning games with two to three goals or whatever. And the Flyers, they they can stay in games with Carolina, like you said. Well, I put out a joke tweet that was like not entirely a joke tweet in the sense that everybody criticizes the flyers for not having high-end talent including me by the way but it's not as if the hurricanes are rich with high-end talent okay aho is just connect me with good press Svetnikov <laughs> is just Owen Tippett with expectations and Marty Natchez is just Morgan Frost with a tumbler following like <laughs> what they're all the same dudes. Who wouldn't you want to see? Because I would put Boston and Tampa probably as the two teams I don't want to see. I mean, I could get up I for mean, a I'd... series against either one of them, but if, if you had to, like, I would rather play a Carolina. I'd rather play, like, a Metro team than play the top of the Atlantic. Rangers, too, for me. I don't think I want to see you. I mean, so so everybody but – Carolina and Florida, I'd be cool on to be honest. I kind of want the Rangers one. I don't, I don't know really? what it is. I feel like 
yeah I, I feel like we always struggle especially on the road in msg i definitely feel like we always struggle but a part of me like i want to see the flyers and rangers in a playoff series again i want to see them go at it i remember 2014 was the last time they faced they lost in seven that hurt me deep yeah yeah it hurt bad i still never get it i mean we were what what, what year was that dan it was our freshman year of high school. We were like thirteen. Oh, Jesus Christ! Wow. And it was one of those series that we went into knowing we weren't going to do shit. <laughs> yeah, nah. But I think Emery just started going insane, didn't he, or something? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. yeah. Or was it Mason? No, no, no. It no, was it was Emery. Mason. Yeah, yeah. Emery started the series because Mason was and hurt, and then mm-hmm, Mason mm-hmm. came in like game three. Like if Mason started that series from the beginning, we probably win. Dude, that was that was like the 2013 onward, like that Giroux era. That was the theme yeah. of it. It really was. Every playoff, it was like they're not gonna win. They get they get sparked. They go down like three one in the series, and then their goalie just goes insane and brings them back in the series. And then they barely lose. It's like Michael Neuberth went insane against the Capitals. Remember that? I do remember that, dude. <laughs> We've had a couple of goalies just randomly go nuclear, just at. Especially in the playoffs. Like, remember when Boucher was just amazing in 2010 to start the the playoffs, and then kind of got taken over at, before he got hurt. I mean, he he was really good before he got hurt in that series, when that entire playoff round. Goalies are funny, man. They are funny. Uh, we have another question, Kieran F. Could be a dumb question. I mean, Derek, you'll love this one. Could be a dumb question. But is there a timeline on when the goalie prospect Kolosov and I don't know if I butcher this, Derek Zavragin? How do you say his name? I'm not entirely sure. I've been saying Zavragin. Zavragin, that's right. Uh, is there a timeline on when the goalie prospect Kolosov and Zavragin will be coming over? Big fan of the pod. Appreciate you, Kieran. Um, Derek would know more about timeline. Like, Kolosov wouldn't be this summer, right? To be next, or would it be this summer? Uh, Kolosov is coming to North America this summer. Uh, his KHL team just made the playoffs today. They got in with the last spot, so they he probably won't be around for the season, but he'll be around once his KHL season's done, and he'll probably start next season, probably on the Phantoms, but there isn't. Yeah, there's an outside chance that he could just immediately come right in and we can do Arison Kolosov from the jump. Oh my god. I, I think there's some chance of that happening, but I Did think you they're imagine that wa- oh, it'd be fucking awesome to watch. But I think they're gonna want to give him a year in the uh in Lehigh Valley, get him a little more used to the North American game. The reads are just totally different for goalies. And it with Shesterkin and Sorokin and those guys who came right over from the KHL from the jump and were already NHL starters, it isn't even a question of the talent. It's those guys came over at like 25 and Kolosov is going to be coming over at 21, 22 and goalies don't, we kind of saw this with Hart before he uh, fell off the face of the earth. Goalies don't even really hit their stride until 24, 25 developmentally. Like, they're, they are slow cooking, which kind of brings me to uh, Zafragin. As good as he looks, he's still a goalie in his draft plus one season, which means I wouldn't expect him for like three, four, maybe even yeah. five years. He's still 18, too. So, yeah, it's crazy. Like, I, 
I wouldn't even expect him to be on the radar to make the Flyers for another four years. Even then, you know, he'll be 22. That's super young. Devin Levi back in Buffalo as highly touted as he is. 21, 22 years old, not handling the NHL all that great right now. And it's not because Devin Levi isn't as good as people thought he was. It's because goalies at that age have a rough time in the NHL. All of them. Zavragin's numbers, though, despite the fact that he's 18, are absolutely insane, considering where he is, the VHL and the MHL. Stupid good. VHL, 16 games, 1.64 goals against average with a 942 save percentage. Then the MHL, he has nine games played, has a 1.63 goals against average with a 945 save percentage. This dude's playing be a pro on rookie. Dude, like, what the fuck? 18 years old playing in the MHL and the VHL, putting up those kind of numbers? I'm like, I don't give a fuck who you are. That is impressive as hell, man. And his birthday is August 23rd, two days after mine. This dude is my boy, bro. This is our future. <laughs> this is our fucking future right here, man. These numbers are insane. I don't give a fuck. He is so young that he was probably like two weeks. His birthday is probably two weeks short of being 2024 eligible. That's nuts. Wow. (laughs) That is really insane, man. He is, like, really, really young to be putting up those kind of numbers. Especially, I mean, like, how good – I mean, you would know more than me. Like, the VHL, MHL, I know they're not the KHL, but those are still pretty decent leagues, no, for an 18-year-old goalie? The VHL is a professional hockey league. There are men there. It's – you know, either prospects or men playing professional hockey. It's kind of like the AHL equivalent for the KHL. That's their AHL. And, you know, good teams there. Like, for example, uh, Zafragan's team, I believe, was in the KHL until – I don't know whether it was a relegation or a contract dispute or whatever the hell was going on there, but some way, somehow – that whole team is now a VHL team instead of a KHL team. Just to give everybody the idea, there's wow. some interchangeability there. It's pros. Not as good as the KHL, but pros all the same. So you're saying he's the next Henrik Lundqvist? Absolutely, yeah. You know, okay. Dominic Hasek is loading. Well, he's Russian, so we'll go with, like, that's the last goalie for Caroline. Caroline. Uh-uh. Kochekov. We'll just we'll just go with Vasilevsky. There you go, Vasilevsky. Oh, yeah. yeah. Go with Shesterkin. Shesterkin, yeah, yeah. So we have two more, four more questions, but like two sets of them were kind of the same. So I'll read off the the first set of they're kind of the same. So this is this is from Glenn and then Lucas. Both asked similar questions. Lucas says, "Who do you want to see moved? Who do you expect it to be moved? And what sort of return do you think we'll be looking at?" And then Glenn said, "If they trade Locker, Locker, Locker." If they trade Lots, Walker, Stahl, and Risto, who do you think takes over for the spot? So we can answer the who do you think it's moved questions first. I don't think they trade all of Lawton, Walker, Stahl, and Risto, if that's what you're asking. But we can answer who we think gets moved. So who do you think gets moved there? Uh, I think some team finally does it and overpays for Lawton. I think we've been dancing and beating around this bush long enough. It's time to get it done. As for... With the defenseman, I don't know. So 
one of Walker or Risto is gone, but not yeah. two. And if I had to pick which of the two, I kind of feel like it's Risto. And I know that contract isn't super easy to move, but it's not impossible to move. And for some reason, I I am moved by the fact that, you know, Tamarco's tweeting us out that like it's not a guarantee the Flyers move Walker. And then all of a sudden Risto starts getting introduced into the conversation as a trade candidate. For me, it almost seems like the team is kind of sitting back and saying, well, wait a minute, we could move Walker, sure, and we have to move a defenseman, preferably on the right side. But why would we move the defenseman who really fits what we're doing here? Like, Walker is a hand-in-glove fit for the way they want to play. And Risto is really not. So, Despite him being really good since Bradshaw's been taking over. I agree with what you're saying, though. Like, I can see why Toronto would want Risto, because, like, Toronto takes 8,000 years to break the puck out of their own end, like, on (laughs) purpose. Like, they just rag that shit around at five-on-five as if they're playing three-on-three. It's kind of hilarious. And I say that endearingly, because I I really do enjoy watching their eight-year-long breakout strategy until they finally get the puck to William Nylander, and he just goes... (laughs) Or Matthews, and he just puts it through like three guys with sticks and just starts to rush it on the other way. So, all right, yeah, I'll do so, it from here on. There, after eight years of ragging the puck around, they will eventually get the puck to one of those two, and they will just make <laughs> everything happen. Uh, I think we actually answered that question because me and Danny talked about that earlier. I think we kind of answered that question similarly. I, I, I think one of Walker and Risto is safe to say, and then I definitely think I think they finally trade, uh, pull the trigger on Lawton. So. Agreed there. Uh, the, t- the other set is Jay and Leo, both asking, basically saying if we trade more than that or if we just trade that, do we think we see any of the AHL guys? Like Leo uh, Leo said, who out of our prospects, excluding any in the AHL, will be first to play in the NHL? Oh, wait, no, that's a different question. I'm sorry. Who out of our prospects, excluding any in the AHL, will be the first to play in the NHL? That's an interesting question. I'm sorry, Leo. I read that completely wrong to start. Ooh. So who who people so they the, can't be in the AHL, right? Excluding okay. I said. Excluding the AHL? Mm-hmm. Matt Fate Mitchkoff. Okay. I was gonna say okay. I'm gonna say, I, was gonna say I you know what I was thinking that one too. That's funny you guys just said those. Bonk's already days. signed to his ELC, so That's I true. think Bonk. That's true. I'm gonna hot take Mitchkoff still, and my logic That's is gonna be dude. They, they might both right. play at the same time. Honestly, <laughs> very I hope you're right. So, like, let's say a super realistic timeline for Bonk is one more year in the uh, CHL, and mm-hmm. then one more year, and then one year in the AHL, and then he's in the NHL. Oh shit! This goes to what Danny was saying. That timeline is Mitchkoff's timeline. So, yeah. if Mitchkoff doesn't get out of his contract a day early then they will play for the Flyers at the same exact time. However, I'm going to hot take this, and he is going to, I don't know, he's going to get the Russian lawyers, and he is going to find a way (laughs) to break that contract at least one day early, and he will play a Flyers game before Oliver Bonk. I was just going to ask you, what do you think? Like, what's your hot take with him? Like, Do you think he comes over 
because I remember you saying in the group chat, and I, I mean, you've always been a guy with hot takes, but do you think he breaks that contract earlier than what we all anticipate? Dude, he's got to be bored. <laughs> like, that's that's what I come back, to, go back that, to. That's legitimately that's what I come back to. Like, yeah. But as far as what's he going to do? What, how are they going to occupy his time down there? Because Soshi ain't doing it. And Scott, like, Scott doesn't want to play him because he's young. It has nothing to do with anything hockey related. They have a blanket prejudice towards young players, and not even Mitchkov can break free of that. So they don't want him. He's young. And Soshi is so monumentally ass that I don't think Mitchkov can tolerate the presence for another month. So. Uh, do I really think he's going to put up with two more years there? No, I think he finds a way. I think it, even if he has to pull a freaking Malkin and just jump on the plane and smuggle himself over. <laughs> Dude, and he's about to watch the Flyers play playoff games, potentially. Yeah, that's, that's just going to add to the to the want and the boredom over in Russia, I feel like. Somebody has to bite the bullet. I need somebody in Philly media to find a way to make this happen. Interview Matt Faye Mitchkoff. Get your translator, get whatever you need, and interview this kid, because I want to know where his head's at. And I know he's not going to tell me all the secrets. I know he's not going to like, yo, here's my plan, All right, No, I know that. I just, I want to see his answers, because I want to know how he's thinking. Tucker Carlson will do that for you. Yeah, no, Tucker Carlson's got this. He's already interviewed Putin, and I, I think <laughs> he asked Putin. Yo, I think he already asked Putin, like, yo, you gonna let Maffe break his contract? He's probably like, who? Nah, it's <laughs> funny because I, I'm not gonna get all political, but I will say I watched a uh, oh, no. good portion of that interview, and I have a very hockey-related point that I'm about to make here. But I watched yeah. a good portion of that interview, and the first 30 minutes of it, is Vladimir Putin breaking out a fucking encyclopedic knowledge of <laughs> uh, Eastern European history dating back to the 16th century. And this dude is reciting it from memory as if it's as familiar to him as the back of his hand. And people are trying to tell me that he is primarily concerned with where Matfei plays hockey. No, 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 no. Somebody go listen to that dude talk. And I'm not telling you to think he's a good guy. You can, you, I'm not telling you to not think he's a bad guy. Just listen to him talk. And you will immediately come to the conclusion that this man has far grander concerns on his mind than where Matt Vey intends to play hockey in the year 2025. I mean that that assertion was always insane, dude. That people yeah. actually thought that. But I'm gonna be the one to smuggle him out of Russia. So me and Danny oh, yeah. are gonna go there. We're gonna get him. Right, Dan. Right. You're just gonna see it on his Instagram story one day. You're just gonna be at a wild <laughs> Morgan Stakes, just posting <laughs> in front. <laughs> Wawa parking lot. Oh, I'm with it. Dude. Like that kid needs to come over soon for sure. I think I what a, what a rush that's going to be. Because everything up until then is just 
we're just we're just daydreaming you know we're daydreaming the day he comes but imagine that day and it's like no he's debuting on this date and we finally get that that hype train it's gonna be i'll be there it's gonna be unreal i can't wait all right well this has been episode 106 of the liberty o you can follow us on all socials at the liberty o follow us on x at tly danny at chris stumps at suitable alias and go floor